0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Web Leaping Bites podcast, the podcast where we jam to the latest beats in the decentralized world, exploring the far outreaches of digital reality, and chatting with some of the brilliant minds in the industry. Get ready for an exciting episode of our podcast because we have a very special guest joining us this week. I am thrilled to introduce you to Olabinjo, Adeniran, an expert in marketing with a decade of experience under his belt. Olabinjo has worked with both local and international web2 and web3 startups, driving growth across various platforms, and is truly really passionate about driving digital acquisition and retention programs for startups. If you're listening to this show right now, I want you to get ready to be inspired by his wealth of knowledge and expertise in the world of web2 and web3 marketing. Welcome to the Web3 Big Byte podcast, and I'm glad you could join us today.
1: Yes, hi, hi. Thank you so much for having me today. What Tempted I- to be here.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise. So uh, today, we are going to discuss an important topic that has raised questions among Web2 marketers. While looking to transition into Web3, and even amongst Web3 marketers, we are also looking to afford, explore further opportunities within the space. Our topic today is Beyond Digital Marketing, Exploring Web3 Opportunities for Marketers. So, been um, job, but before we go in deeper in our discussion, our topic for today, can you share about your journey in building a career in Web3 as a marketer and how you got started in this emerging field?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. So my, my journey is very um, unique and very interesting because I've always worked in tech. So I've always worked for startups and I've worked for tech companies for most of my career. Um, at a point, I was I I was pursuing a software developer profession or career, um, but I was also I was always doing marketing along the side. So I've, I've been able to I would say I've been very lucky to be able to merge both, um, and be a growth marketer and sometimes a product marketer for companies, um. And so in my career, there hasn't really been a doctor. I would say I have a web two career, a web two career. I've just worked for tech companies, and so I've worked for. I've always because I work for tech companies, I've always I'm always very, um, very lucky or very blessed to work on companies that are doing really new stuff at the edge of whatever new technology um, is explorable, right? Um, so uh, I, I first heard about I think my, my first entry into the space was when I heard about Bitcoin sometime in 2014. Um, I had gone to hang out with one of my former bosses and he was telling me about how he was able to, there was a problem with sending money to his brother in Germany. And, you know, he realized he could use Bitcoin. And my boss, just for some context, was very highly technical, very nerdy. So this is something that he would typically be interested about. Um, so he bought some he bought some Bitcoin um, at a particular dollar price and sent it to his brother in Germany to pay for some stuff. And you know, he was super interested. So he was telling me that, He had also kept some for himself just to just hold because he thought the price was going to go up and he was trying to get me to buy as well. But like, at the time I was trying to build a very small social media agency, so I wasn't interested in what that was about. But I I do, I do remember um, reading about it. And then my my second exploration was in, I think in 2016, yes, in my my final year in university. I had now learned more about this Bitcoin thing and I I wanted to build a a crypto exchange that basically allowed you buy or sell Bitcoin via via mobile money. Because I went to school in Ghana and mobile money was the in thing. Um, I I tried multiple different times trying to build this thing, but it really didn't work out. Um, And so I had to pivot and build another final year project, right? Um, And so that was my second experience with Bitcoin. And my third experience was later in, 20, was it? yeah, I think late 2017. Um, somebody I had worked with, um, had started a new company, and their new company was going to be a crypto exchange. And I had worked with them like Bitcoin at the time in Nigeria. Is that if you wanted to buy, you had to go to a peer-to-peer exchange, like Paxful, right? And what that meant is you had to often send somebody Bitcoin, wait for them to confirm, and they will send you naira in return if you wanted to sell. If you wanted to buy, you send the person naira. Wait for them to confirm, and they will send you Bitcoin in return. And there was no escrow in between, right? And so this was a very big problem. A bunch of people were getting scammed (laughs) on those platforms, right? They would send money, and they would never receive value, and the um, seller would just disappear, right? Um, So that was a really big thing, and they wanted to solve this problem. So what they built was one of the very first escrow-based crypto exchanges, um, and then we quickly found out that people didn't want (laughs) people didn't want People didn't want escrow, people don't buy or sell instantly. So they quickly pivoted to be a, an instant buying and selling platform. And this platform was called Bycoins. Um, buy Coins was one of the largest exchanges in Nigeria. Um, I think up until last year when they exited that business and they now do other things. Um, and so that was the time when I really got to work in that space. I really spent a lot of time learning, exploring, experimenting by my own self, you know, downloading all kinds of wallets, buying crypto across multiple different um, platforms, sending Ethereum from one place to another, having to wait one and a half hours for Ethereum to come in when there was the Crypto Kitties game that shut down the entire Ethereum network. Just all those experiences happened mm-hmm. between um, late 2017 and 2018 where I was the uh, marketing lead for BuyCoins. So that's my second deep experience. And then my... My other um, experience working in this space, um, I mean, there's two more experiences, but I don't know if we have enough time to see them. My other two experiences working in this space is that in mid-2019, I was contracted to help build um, a social a social crypto app called Bondu Africa, which is backed by Binance. Um, and I was there for, I think, seven months before my contract expired and then went on to do something else. And then in 2022, I was hired as a, Product marketing manager for a Canadian company called Horizon Blockchain Games, who had who have built one of the most interesting um, and most user friendly blockchain games, and because of that, they had you know built their entire developer stack um, just to, to enable that game happen, and they wanted to push that developer stack out as a separate product um, called Sequence, and so I was hired as a product marketing manager for Sequence, and Sequence is a developer toolkit and smart wallet for companies who want to build Web3 games. Um, so, yeah, that's basically my experience in this space. And in between these, I've, like, worked in many other industries, specifically fintech. I started my own venture capital firm in 2019. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, that's what my experience has been like.
0: Well, yeah, trying to be humble with it, but then we I'm, I'm here, like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Like that, that's what they call wealth of experience, wealth of experience. Thank you. That's actually quite impressive, though. I mean, you have diverse experience across different industries. You've gotten on to do cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool nerdy stuff, if I can put it that way. Cool nerdy stuff. <laughs> but I think, thanks for sharing your, your journey, how it started, how it evolved, and then how you were able to work with all these cool companies and building cool stuff up to the very moment. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. So, um, oh, well, come. So, let's move on to the next question. Uh, so, what are the key skills and qualifications one is to succeed as a marketer in the Web3 space? Um, actually, particularly interested in the, in the answer to this question because for most Web2 marketers, they're like, okay, do I have Do I still have to use the same skills I have as a Web2 marketer? Or do I have to learn something new entirely? Do I have to go start on learning what I've known before, or do I have to just go start from from um, from the bottom? I don't know yeah. something like that so yeah, so yeah so, so what are the key skills and qualifications one needs to succeed as a marketer especially in the workplace space
1: Yes, so I mean, I don't know if many people have different opinions but for. For me, the skills and qualification as a marketer are the same as marketing in any other industry, um, which is you need, to be able to, you, okay. you need to be able to communicate well so that you can attract attention from an audience, excite them about your product, and get them to use your product. Like, like Those three things are the same, whether you're selling software, whether you're selling, I don't know, a laptop, <laughs> right? Um, but I think the one key difference so far in the Web3 space is you have to spend a lot of time educating your audience about cryptocurrency and blockchain depending on how technical your product is and how, how much of um, exposure the user has to the technical aspect. So when I was working at Horizon, for example, we were constantly educating the developer audience about why they needed to use this thing, why it was important for their industry gaming and how it transformed gaming. But we also went deeper sometimes and would even do um, coding examples just to show how easy it was to integrate software into the already existing um, tech stack so education is probably the one thing you might have been working somewhere else where you didn't have to educate the, your customers so much um, but in this space you have to constantly constantly keep educating the customer um, i think another thing that is also super important is um, because it's a very new it's still a very new space there's a lot of collaboration um, so you're very lucky mm-hmm. that there's often other brands who want to collaborate with you as a partner, they want to get on Twitter spaces. They want to do something in Discord or something in Telegram or something on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So many brands want to collaborate. So there's an opportunity to be able to expand your audience that way. Um, in your regular marketing job, you're probably, you probably are more protective of your brand and you're, more, um, you're less likely to expose other brands to yours. But in the web mm-hmm. space, there's way more, there's way more um, opportunities for collaboration collaboration. So that's something that is super encouraged. Um, so one needs to learn how can one partner with other brands, what are some initiatives that can drive, that can help to build trust or that can even drive an increase in audiences. Uh, that's super important. And then the final skill I will add is I would say patience and just being patient enough to um, be, be, be able to wait and measure the fruits of the results of your work or the fruits of the seeds that you planted, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because because these things don't happen um, instantly, right? Um, people just don't come and start using products. You have to spend a lot of time educating people and then being patient to see them use and even even educating them on how to use your product itself, right? Aside from just mm-hmm. general education about the Web3 space. So, yes, that's the thing I will say is really, really um, important
0: okay okay because um i'm actually heavy on the collaboration here yeah, because the last podcast episode we brought on someone who is well-versed in community building and growth and that was the one thing he kept talking about and there were three phase collaboration is absolutely very very important and yeah. you, don't, you don't collaborate with other people you get uh more you get more people to know about your products your projects Basically, not forgetting about your project, you also get to build a community of loyal users and everything. So, communication, collaboration is highly important in the Web three space. And for anybody, just like it said, anybody coming into the Web three space as a marketer, you have to be heavy on those two things: communicate, 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 and learn to collaborate. There's no, there's no lone wolf. Yeah, Web three, <laughs> you can't do it by yourself in the Web three space. So, that's also something I'd like to add. Yeah, the boss, yeah. yeah, I guess, but I should also add that. So No um, problem. Yeah, so traditional marketing, like everybody's familiar with traditional marketing, billboards, um, radio ads, TV ads, then coming down to digital marketing, our Facebook ads, SEO, and stuff like that, right? And so... How does marketing in Web3 differ from all these traditional marketing channels and digital marketing channels, Say, How does it differ? And what do you think are the unique challenges and opportunities in this new digital landscape Web3?
1: So, I mean, the very first thing that makes it very unique or very different is the, the legality of the product that you're selling, depending on mm-hmm. the space and time. Um, Depending on your type of products, many of the ad platforms simply don't allow you advertise. So Facebook, Google, the entire, many of the very popular ad platforms don't let you advertise. They will only let you advertise if you have certain licenses from certain countries that have defined the legality of whatever token or asset or whatever it is happening on your platform. And that makes it very difficult sometimes to be able to just, <laughs> you just want to run your ads, right? But it makes it very difficult to run ads. So um, and that, that means that one needs to be very careful how one crafts certain communication to the public. Um, so at Horizon, for example, we had to be careful because we're not an exchange and we don't sell we don't sell any um, tokens or assets. We only provide swaps. So we had to be careful with how we communicated to the public when we're running ads, just to make sure that our ads were approved. And so that's one thing to note. Like you have to research the legality of how to say things. <laughs> in the country that you're trying to run your campaigns at, you can't just do a billboard. For example, in most countries, um, there's to pretty some regulatory, but going to come and write you an email or come and lock your office down just because um, the assets in Web3 can be very speculative. Um, uh-huh. And then the, the opportunities are also still there. I think it's it's in the last year that we've seen a bunch of really large legacy companies try to do Web3 stuff, whether it's token rewards for people doing certain things, or it's even integrating um, Web3 elements into their services. So for example, on Reddit, you can mint, which is you can basically just get a, um, an NFT as an avatar, and you don't have to do all of the really long processes. You just click, click. It's like literally a two-click process, and they give you um, an NFT as an avatar. And so we've seen that happen. We've also seen companies like Starbucks do NFT rewards um, when people mm-hmm. take when people do certain things um, in their in their app or purchase certain types of coffee, attend certain types of events. So I think that's going to become more popular, Talking token, um um tokenized rewards um just because companies want to reward people and people want to hold badges anyways, <laughs> just to as mm-hmm. as as a proof of as a social proof, as a proof of value. Um, where, where it's not clear, I mentioned earlier, is the legality of some of these things. Are there securities? Are they commodities? Can they be traded? Um, there taxes on them? And those are things that really make it sometimes very difficult to communicate to the public in this space. Um, the rules, people asking you questions for certain things that um, you know, the legality is not sure yet, or the government hasn't decided what it wants to do yet. Um, and so it requires Web3 marketers to be very well-educated you know, stay up to date Very with everything that's happening in their space. Um, also, it makes them, it means they need to be very careful when they're working for companies, <laughs> so they don't end up in, in situations like FTX, <laughs> um, <laughs> which could ruin one's entire, you know, work reputation. So that is yeah. super, That those are things that I think are super, super important and make this space very um, unique from, you know, traditionally marketing any other products
0: that's actually true and on the platform I know on Facebook you can't even run any crypto ad you cannot you dare not even say you want to run any ad that has to do with crypto anything because most people have the belief that anything crypto related is scam is fraud it's not tangible they can't see they can't see about scamming people and everything so I get where the the, um, regulations I understand why the regulations are there because they are still being skeptical about it and everything well, yeah, I think as as time grows and then as more people are adopting um crypto, more people are coming into the Web three space and adopting the blockchain technology. I Think we'll see a period where those regulations will be um lifted off, and then the restrictions will just be, phew, just disappear. And yeah, I
1: mean we'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, we can only hope. We can only hope and wait, right? uh okay so since web2 platforms don't want us to advertise our projects and then even you will have to we have to go through we have to be careful just like you mentioned about how we go about it and be um, really open about it so what are some of the popular platforms and technologies that and tools that marketers in the web3 space are currently using to reach and engage with their target audience, aside Web two platforms, Web two tools.
1: So, when you say aside Web two tools, what do you mean? Because I'm not really clear on. Okay. Because it's still like okay, it's still regular marketing channel, so I'm not really clear. <laughs> and there are no yeah, there are no yeah. Web three communication no tools, three. as far as I know. <laughs>
0: oh, okay, but some are really coming up though, because um, there is one I know, Web three M. They are like um, a platform where you can run marketing campaigns for people with free projects, and I also had a meeting with someone who showed me demo of their of their platform today. Unpro, do they have?
1: Do they have one billion users? (laughs) <laughs> if they don't have, they're not useful. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: <There's> no <laughs> users. I'm just saying that these are some of the ones I know. There's I no large
1: scale it. platform yet.
0: No large <laughs> platform yet. For those two, I know. And the guy that showed me the demo today. Okay, so this is how that one works. They have like a, a list of addresses that also that once you click on it here it takes you to the profile of the person so let's say someone you have a gaming project right and then you want to um, advertise your gaming project or you want to get the word out there about your project so once you sign up on this platform you get to see a list of um target audience so you get to see by their the, uh, the projects they're interested in maybe it's um, in defi maybe nfts and stuff so it's been grouped I mean, it still looks like a bit complicated, but then I think they are getting there. And no, they do not have a billion users. They have 500,000 users. I think that is actually something in Wave 3. That That's is super actually. interesting. They have 500 um, users and it's grouped by wallet addresses and social media platforms, Twitter, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter basically. No, Telegram, no Discord. They're just Twitter and their addresses. Yeah. So I think I think um, as it progresses, we'll actually see more platforms yeah. and more better, more better. So maybe platforms.
1: I can share some tools. I mean, can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, okay. yes,
0: do. Yeah.
1: Okay, awesome. So I think um, I think one of the largest platforms for Web three has been Twitter, just because of how fast um information spreads on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, there's unfortunately still a lot of spam. <laughs> there's a lot of spam associated with this space, but it's a really interesting place to spread the word, um, especially mm-hmm. if you're able to convince um people in the community to share about a particular tool or a particular mm-hmm. project, right? So that becomes that that that's still one of the largest tools. Um the second one I think is search engine optimization, just because people still start their many people still start their buyer intent um on Google search. And so Google Search can be a really useful platform for getting the word out there. Um, so SEO remains a very strong tool. Um, and then there's another tool um, I'm very familiar with, which is, um, it's called Dune Analytics. And Dune Analytics is basically, if, you, if you've if you got a product that has a smart contracts that has mm-hmm. smart contracts or that has a smart contract, it can help you pull um, statistics based on your smart contract. And you can like, analyze, you can filter stuff, you can write your own queries um, and just help you better understand what people are doing with your smart contract, what people are doing on chain, on your platform. It's also very broad. So you can, for example, just use analytics to track whatever is happening on all the NFTs on Polygon, for example, (laughs) or on Ethereum, right? Um, It's a very robust tool, right? So it lets you do so many other things. You can even just build your own analytics dashboard for somebody else's smart contracts if you can find if you find a smart contract in public um, so that's very useful too um, i think for for on the b2b side of things we still use a lot of linkedin because that's where business decision and decision makers are um, we still use a lot of linkedin to reach people and then in the offline aspect of things we still use a lot of event marketing um so i've been to two events in the last year for Sequence, my former my former employers, and totally in the last year, they, I think they had been to six events, right? Um, just because events is where people come to engage and communicate and share mm-hmm. new ideas. Um, events is where they, you know, um, where you can learn about the new technology. So if you're a business in that space, you want to put yourself ahead of all these people who are going to come, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 20,000 people um, and share your value with them. Um, And these events don't necessarily have to be Web3 or crypto-focused events. They can be traditional events as well. Um, So for for one one example, we were at the Games Developer Conference um, in San Francisco a few weeks ago. And what we were basically doing was showcasing our developer toolkit for people who are building on Unity and Unreal Engine and letting them know that they can use our developer stack, and they can build Web three elements without having to leave, you know, that um enviro- developer environment. And so it really depends on where what your business is and what you're trying to do, um, and how you provide value. But similar concepts, similar platforms still take hold. Um, with respect to doing ads, we mentioned earlier that it, for a bunch of type for a bunch of products, ads are basically ads are basically blocked. But it really also really really depends on what your what services you're providing, right? Like I know um folks who provide virtual card services that's on the blockchain, right? It's um it's Stellar or on the circle network with USDC and they're able to get their ads approved. Um so it really, really depends um on what you're doing. So yeah just keep an open mind <laughs> and explore as many channels as possible. Mm, mm.
0: Like they will say word, word, word. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks for, thanks for sharing these tools. I think I'll actually go look at that one that has to do with the smart contract thing and just check some. Yeah. because I haven't heard of that before, to be honest. I think I'll, I'll go look at it again. No, not look at it again. Look at Seed. I haven't heard of it before. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about your experience again. Can you share some examples of successful marketing campaigns or strategies that you have implemented in the Web3 space and what made them effective?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I, two, two campaigns come to mind. So at buy because we were an exchange and we couldn't run, we couldn't run ads on any platform, our ads kept getting, (laughs) kept getting blocked over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. we had to quickly look for an alternative channel. Um, that we could run. And we did two things, but I'll pick one. Um, one was basically, we used a very nano influencer campaign and found regular people who had just made their first crypto purchases for the first time. And we got them to post about um, the company and what we do on social media. And the second was, I I, I basically built and ran an SEO campaign um, because we re- mm-hmm. I had done some research and saw that the the search intent for people who wanted to buy and sell crypto was increasing, but there still was, there were very few platforms you could just instantly go buy and sell stuff. Um, and so my plan was really simple, target very important keywords and use um, events in the sector to write about five blog posts a week. So we're publishing a blog post every day, minimum mm-hmm. 300 word blog posts, sometimes very, very, even much longer blog posts and, you know, ensuring that they're properly linked to our landing pages, our public-facing landing pages, right? Um, yeah. Then I also, again, just to support my, my efforts in SEO, also did a backlink campaign, um, reached out to every business, finance, and tech publication um, just to share what we were building. And many of them wanted to actually publish blog posts about the company. Uh, but each time they'll publish a blog post, we made sure that links were, um, links were included in, you know, <laughs> in the important sections. And that really helped with our... SEO ranking and in three months for when I started this project, um, we're ranking number one for you know purchase led searches for crypto in Nigeria. Um so that was you know huge success. I would say we really did well. Um mm-hmm. yeah. It really did well and you know um even up till up until last year the company still saw results from the um from that SEO from that SEO campaign
0: um so S- you know S- want to share the S- second one? Oh yes please please do
1: okay so the second um success I'll pick from Bondo, Bondo Africa and Bondo was a very interesting project for me because I was hired before um there was a public launch and so um I was hired before there was a public launch and so I was responsible for building a very early community of about a hundred people who were better testing this product. But we were also educating them about like crypto space and like w- w- why we're building what we're building. Um, keeping in mind that Bundu has a very social element um in its exchange business. So we're one of the very few platforms, even today, where you can send, you can send and request crypto from your friends. Um and we're going to build a ton of stuff on top of that social layer. Eventually it wasn't built, but that was the goal. And so um, basically building and engaging this early community of people, having them test the product, having them give feedback, giving them rewards for giving feedback, having them like brutally run to the product multiple, multiple times. So we could find a lot of user onboarding gaps, user retention gaps, just usability gaps and like technical things that were not really clear that we needed to fix. Um, so we did that. What was very interesting was we were able to turn this hundred people community into a ten thousand people waitlist, um, and we built a referral campaign, which was basically if you share, if you share a link with your friends and your friends sign up with your unique link, um, every friend mm-hmm. that signs up you get a reward for that, um, and if you, if you if you sign up twenty friends you get the maximum reward. But one of the most unique things here was that our community wasn't broad was actually an invite-only community of students. So we had picked Nigerian students in campuses all across the country. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that made sure that the rewards we were offering to them were actually useful rewards. So for example, um, earphones, for example, cinema tickets, credits for airtime for their phones, or um, data as well for their phones, right? Things that students, we, we, th- we, think, we thought that students would really like, um, but they weren't too expensive for us as a small company mm-hmm. at the time. and. Um, What this meant was that before we even launched Bundle publicly, we already had about 10,000 people waiting to use the products, right? Just from this 100-people community. Um, So that was a campaign that did really, really well. Um, And, you know, we eventually turned it off because (laughs) there there were so many people coming in, we we realized that we had reached our peak and we couldn't afford to keep the campaign running. So we had to turn it off um, and then reward our, you know, our existing um, waitlist.
0: Wow. Um, that's actually quite impressive. So I'm giving you your flowers. See your flowers. Accept your flowers.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank because, you. Thank <laughs> you. That was actually, that was a successful marketing campaign. And SEO, SEO, I think SEO is just so amazing. It's 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 a long term, it's a long term investment that if you if you put your all into it now, it's something that you can yield the results years and years and years to come. I see it's actually really yes. super, super effective, regardless of if you are in web two or web three. And that's something you prefer out to, it's also an amazing, amazing, concept. word of mouth, word of mouth, hey, super powerful, super, super, super Very powerful, powerful yes. like most people, before they buy anything, yeah, before they buy anything, even use anything, they will ask someone, have you used this before? Have you heard about these people? What's your review and stuff like that? Just by getting feedback exactly. from one person can make up their mind or change their mind about something. So, the strategies you employ are actually really, really good, and I'm not surprised that the results that you got they a super effective marketing strategies. So, which um brings me to my next question. And so, as as a marketer in in web three space, right? What are some of the ethical considerations that marketers need to keep in mind while working in the Web3 space? I know you mentioned it before when it comes to running ads and, and everything, but what are some of the ethical considerations they need to have in mind? Like, okay, I'm working in Web3. the so whole different board before when I was in Web2. What are the things I need to know concerning data privacy, security, and transparency?
1: So, I mean, the very first thing is that there are a lot of scammers in this space. So, you might be working for a company that you think is legitimate, <laughs> but you're working for scammers. So do your own research, like they say in this space. It's important mm-hmm. to do your own research. And it's important for you to actually understand what this is and why it needs to exist. I think many people just hop in and they find that they have been taken advantage of because they refi- refuse to do that work of just doing their own research and understanding what's happening, right? Um, and then the second thing mm-hmm. in the space with security is... I mean, it really depends on the type of products that you're, you know, you're handing or what you're doing. So, at some of the companies I have worked at, we're not particularly holding any, we're not particularly holding um, any assets. So, although security was great for us, because we're not holding assets, we're not exposed. uh, We're not exposed to, you know, some of the issues, right, compared to platforms where they are holding assets on behalf of you know, customers and they're holding like millions of dollars in assets. Right. That's one thing um, with regards to transparency. I think it's very important to if you're working for an exchange, for example, to communicate that, you know, today's results are not the same as future results. I think that's something that many people don't really you have to come to people that if they are buying something today and it's going up by 20% in the last week, it might not be 20% next week. Right. Um, it's also yeah. important to take as much consent as possible um when people are purchasing stuff. So one of the very funny things that's happened over time is user experience makes it easier to buy things. But you actually what you actually want to do is <laughs> include some friction. So <laughs> that like people don't make very stupid decisions. You want to include some friction, right? And this is maybe just you working with the product team make sure that they're including some fr- friction. Um, so it's maybe one extra step or two extra steps more difficult for people to make mistakes, especially in high volume transactions. Um, and then on the security side of things, you want to constantly, constantly communicate how your to your customers on how to keep themselves secure and protected in this space. So people shouldn't be doing things like giving their MetaMask seed phrase, filling it in a form, answering to mm-hmm. some random Twitter handle that is that is posing as some company's support, right? Um, you also want to be able to ensure that you know everybody in your company is following these these steps. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in your company is following these steps and people are making sure they're not asking like customers or people are not asking customers for their IDs or their passwords or something that is so important. Um, and so unfortunately, this whole, the privacy and security side of things is often out of marketer's hands. It's often a product problem, but it's still something you need to make sure that like you're communicating at least um, to the public. How can they stay, stay secure? Many tools do they have to FA, right? So how can... Um, people make sure that you know they are using the 2FA in the tool whether it's SMS or it's via an authenticator those are things that i think are super important to communicate and many people um, many many people who even just buy assets in that space don't do don't do enough protection so yeah those are the those are mm-hmm. those are that that's just my advice for marketers in that space okay
0: what's cool on the security regulatory and everything so uh, i just want to ask that are there any regulatory challenges or legal issues that marketers may encounter in the web three space
1: i think there are lots <laughs> it depends on the country and what your product is doing but there's often <laughs> a lot of stuff there's stuff with regards to buying stuff with regards to selling um if fast facilitating transactions in certain countries you have to have certain licenses there's actually a lot there's certain um, what's the word? They're setting um, what's the word I want to use now? They're certain countries where things are just not allowed. Like in Nigeria, for example, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to buy and sell via the regular payment rails. So companies have to figure out like different different peer-to-peer ways they can make transactions happen. Some companies are basically even shut down their entire Nigerian entities so they're not exposed. any court cases and like their team members in nigeria are not arrested stuff like that so i think if you're going to work in that space and you're going to publicly talk about your job you want to be very careful (laughs) depending on the country you're in and what the rules say you want to be very very careful so you're not targeted or picked um but like yeah basically just doing your own research sure sure okay
0: so um let me try to move away from all the serious, 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 serious questions. Okay. Let me ask. I already know the answer to this question. But then for some people who just want to know or who tend to ask us that silly question time they hear that they are in the Web3 space. And so one of the first questions they'll ask is, which I'm asking you, I already know the answer, but okay. then I'm going to ask what they have been asking me to, And I'm sure they've also asked you too. So do marketers in Web3 only use cryptocurrency for transactions?
1: So you mean, like, as a marketing professional? No, the answer is no. <laughs> I think, I mean, many many organizations you work with will encourage you to, but they wouldn't necessarily force you um, to do anything. I think for so some, a bunch of people I've worked with have gotten paid in fiat, but some other people have gotten paid in like BNB, for mm-hmm. example. So, yeah. So it really depends um, on where you work, but mostly no, I don't think. You use like there's tons of stuff. There's tons of people who are working in spaces where the is not even interacting with cryptocurrency at all. There's companies that are doing things like node node uptime, making sure the, node, the nodes are working well and they don't really have to touch things. They're basically infrastructure focused. So it really depends on, you know, the space you're in and what you do in that space or what your company does.
0: Thank you, thank you for answering that question. I also have another one. Do marketers need to learn coding to work in Web3?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, I haven't had to code because I work in this space. Um, so I don't think so. It's, it's very unlikely that it would happen, um, but I think on some level you're required to be technically educated enough to be able to communicate to your audience. But keep in mind that if you're working in the company, there's often people that are knowledgeable. Um, they're knowledgeable enough, so they can put you through. You can you can always ask them questions why things are a certain way. If you think things should be done, things should be done in a different way. They can also you know provide inputs and can help you fix technical issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Sure. So, uh, oh yeah, okay. So some people, yeah. They believe that Web3 is just a passing fad, Like, it's just something that will come and go. Like, every other thing that's come and go. And they're skeptics. I mean, I was having a conversation with this older man one time. And then he was telling me that he's working. Because the first thing that came to his when I told him I'm working Web3 was, oh, you work in um crypto, you sell Bitcoin. And I'm like, no, I did not sell Bitcoin. I tried to explain. I tried. Oh, everyone knows I tried to explain. I tried to be convinced. He kept saying, you know, crypto was what, um, this this guy, Osh Poppy. that was where he was transpiring all his money to. He was doing Bitcoin. They scam. They did that. That's just going to come and go. That man was even the one that inspired this question I'm asking you. Because they believe it's just a passing fad, It's just going to come and go. Huh? It comes to something. That's where people go to hide their money. They don't store their money in offshore accounts again. It's now crypto. And so, so they also believe that web three too is just going to come and go. I mean, they think crypto is, is a scam. It's just going to come and go. And it's been around for how many years now? And I don't even think it's going anywhere anytime soon. So what would you say to those skeptics who question Web3? The longevity I mean, and the impact on the marketing is really...
1: It really depends on, again, what you do and where you are and like your country. So, for example, I know a bunch of people who are like in the U.S. who absolutely believe that it's an entire fad and it doesn't really solve any problem. But for me, in Nigeria, I've seen, I, I I, mean, I still use, even while working for my previous employer, while getting paid in fiat, I, I still had to use crypto to get paid in Naira <laughs> a lot of times. Um, And so for me, I can see what the use case is and I can see, um, what the impact is on my own life as somebody who's working remotely and internationally. Um, so again, it really depends. For many people who were speculating on assets and were hoping that prices will, will go up forever, I think it was an unreasonable um, was an unreasonable expectation. And so what we have seen ha- happen is I don't know if you're familiar with something called the Gartner Gartner hype cycle. Is we're, at, we're pretty much at the end of the hype cycle. So there's been the hype, and the hype has gone really, really high. But like the hype is over now, <laughs> fortunately. Um, yeah. And so yes, I think I think there's always that skepticism, and you know about whether it's going to last long. But it's like with anything else, really. With anything else, even when the internet came, there was this very there was a hype. But like the internet is still here today, and it's even more useful than ever. Um, and I think the same thing as well when people started to in- implement social tools on the internet, and it was called Web Two. And there was a lot of hype about that. And today it's just expected. If you sign up to a work tool, it should, it should allow you to add your team members, right? Um, so I think eventually, so a, a bunch of the paradigms become so normal that we're not we're not calling it any web thing anymore. We're just using these tools, whether to send money, to receive money, to buy something in a game, um, to send something to a friend. We're just using it like we would use any software or app every day. And so if, if the user experience team and the teams building in this space do their job really well, um Over a couple of years, we actually should not hear this term anymore. <laughs> it should just be normal. If they do their jobs really well, if they don't do their jobs really, really well, they'll still be explaining to people in five years' time what is Web three, which means that mm-hmm. it's a completely failed sector, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 what I'm going to say. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough to be honest. We can only hope that people get to adopt it more.
0: And those who are at the forefront of educating people, they get to do their job well. So I have to stop here hearing when crypto is a scam with threes, whatever, whatever. We can only we can only hope and cross our fingers. So um what advice do you have for marketers who are interested in pursuing a career in this field and how can they stay updated with the latest trends and developments? Because we both know that things happen so fast in this industry. Things happen so quick. But you yeah. can sleep and wake up and then you just hear a news that is just going to turn everything upside down. So for people who are trying to get into this space, especially in marketing, they are trying to pursue a career, how what advice do you have for them and how can they stay updated with the latest trends and, and developments?
1: Yeah, sure. So I will say that um um, for, for one, um, marketers need to be well-educated. I think it's a space that requires you to be so educated about what's happening. Um, I've had to read in the last few months, I've had to read a ton of, um, you know, what's it called? Ethereum, <laughs> Ethereum improvement proposals. They're called EIPs. I've had to read a ton of them to just understand certain technical things and see for myself, if it makes sense. <laughs> um, I've also read stuff about many different types of, um, ERCs, Ethereum, Ethereum contracts as well. So there's, there's always like a space to learn more things. Things move so fast, like you said. And then to stay up to date, it's just reading. I guess you can subscribe to the Ethereum Foundation's blog, which I like to read. Um, they're, they're typically very updated. And as you, say, they, they, or you can follow them on social media. They post updates regularly. Um, you can also just read websites. I like to read Coindesk, Blockworks. They often talk about new things in the industry. Uh, and there's often a lot of opinion about you know what's happening. In that, in those spaces as well. So I would say, just being able to read and being able to learn gives one um, an edge. Even if it's just for the companies you work at, you get to you get to be sometimes be the first to implement or communicate certain concepts to the public, and that's very important. Um, just to get a normal edge in that space. That's actually quite helpful. So.
0: Um... And my, last, my last question, I always like to ask my guests this question just to get different yeah. opinions, different answers. Yes. <laughs> so, how do you see the future of marketing in Web 3 evolving? One, and what opportunities or potential disruptions do you anticipate in the coming years?
1: So, how do I see the space evolving for marketing? I think, hopefully, there's more legal Frameworks that actually make sense so that we know what to do and what to say, clearly, and we're not like having to do a lot of experiments um because that's something that takes a lot of time um, and for for some for some context, I spent like three weeks one time just tweaking copy for ads on LinkedIn because nobody was sure what they wanted, and it made absolutely no sense i I wouldn't have to do that in any other space. I would just post without to post right um, so mm-hmm. you know hoping that such things make it easier for us. Um, but I'm op- also looking to see more and more companies that are not Web3 companies do very interesting things with digital assets and tokens, especially tokens that are like one-to-one, and they're not particularly going to go high or go low, but like they're useful for people to just show off. <laughs> um, especially people, especially in like the loyalty space. I think that's going to be very interesting to see how we can drive um, loyalty with tokens on chain, right? That's going to be you know. Huge. <laughs> that's going to be huge. Um, in terms of the future, I think I think now that a bunch of hype has died down um, and there's a lot of people trying to build, I think we're going to see in this time more utility than just buying tokens that's, or buying some random JPEG that's, that, that's going to be worth nothing in six months' time. Um, I think we're going to see more utility. Um, places spaces where I would like to see some utility or that I'm, I think there'll be utilities, one, remittances. That's like one of the no-brainer easiest thing um, to do in this space is moving assets or moving monetary value from one place to another, especially now that you have stable coins become even more popular. Um, If you check CoinMarketCap, you're seeing stable coins Mm -hmm. become more popular. Um, So stable coins like USDC, like BUSD, they're useful for actually settling value across the world, right? And that means that remittances can be cheaper than they they currently are today. They cost a lot of money um, today. So hopefully we get to see that. Um, the second thing I think, I think the second industry I think is going to be impacted a lot is going to be the gaming industry, because the gaming industry is a place where people are already used to buying digital assets, um, and what mm-hmm. often, whether it's skins or an arrow or a sword or a helmet or whatever it is, what often happens is many people, when the game eventually gets shut down or when the game isn't up anymore, they can't do anything with those assets. The assets are pretty much lost in their, in their accounts in the game. But with um, blockchain, you can have those assets Mm -hmm. on-chain. People can, for example, move it out of the game. They can trade it instantly or set a price if it's something that is rare. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that is rare, you know, for example, um, and they can, you know, I can buy something today and maybe in the future I can just give my friend in the same game, right? Maybe my friend needs the helmet I can share with my friend. And those things are very useful. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of impact some of the largest gaming companies I know are experimenting with, um, you know, NFT heroes or NFT skins, you know, which, you know, are speculative, but they're also doing a ton of stuff on uh, technologies around ERC-1155s, which are SFTs, um, basically a, an asset that can be, that is duplicated, right? So, for example, if you play a game, maybe like Subway Surfers, the coin that you get in the game has like millions <laughs> Of it right, it has many copies, um, and so SFTs can enable people to even trade inside games and it can make the games more valuable but also more interesting for people who spend a ton of hours and a ton of their time and a bunch of money you know playing games. Right now, you play a game, you spend a lot of money and a lot of your time, you get a reward, but you can't do much with it. Um, you can't even send, you can't even just share coins to your friends, <laughs> and so yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that's a space that is going to be very well impacted by, uh, by okay. Web3.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree actually. I agree. And I can only can only wait to all these things to actually happen. And if they eventually do happen, it will be super cool. I mean super, 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 super cool. And yes, so um real. I know I said that was my final question. Yeah, I think I said that was my final question, but I have another question to ask. So for the sake of People who are looking to break into this space, who are listening to this, or who are going to listen to this podcast, um, where where can they? And they're looking for their next opportunities. Where do you think they can start from, or where should they be looking at?
1: I think they should be looking at communities in this space. There's a lot of communities who are, you know, helping with educating. Each other or educating themselves about this space. I think communities are very nice. Um, if you just search <laughs> Web3 community, you would find a bunch of them on the internet. Um, but you can also just check job sites. A bunch of job sites. You can use like blockchain, crypto, Web3 terms to filter for jobs that you're looking for, and you see a bunch of jobs. And thankfully, one of the really good things about this industry is that most companies are globally remote, so you're not um, you're not essentially tethered to working in companies only in your own country, you know, depending on how your country is favorable to this or not, to this space or not, right? So you don't have to work for your own company. You can work for another company somewhere else. And so that's super interesting. Um, and that would be the first thing I would just do is just look for communities. I will read up a bunch of stuff. I will read the Bitcoin white paper. I will read the Ethereum white paper um, just to learn more. And then I will start to look for opportunities. But keeping in mind that you're just transferring your skills from... One type of software if you already work in tech or from other another type of product to so another type of product um the differences are not that much in your day-to-day in your for the day-to-day job yeah
0: thank you so do you have any word of advice what to share with us
1: what if, i don't have any advice just be careful out there because there are many scammers <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, there are plenty. I don't like, think I plenty. have any. Yeah. Oh, scammers, Christ! I've actually encountered one or two. And then the first thing they try to come with you, they got to come to you and say, "Okay, they have this offer. They'll please you this amount." And you know, they're asking for your wallet address. Like, I have yeah, wallet you see, address? that's that's it.
1: So if you didn't, yeah, I mean, so if you didn't know, you'd you'd have thought you'd have thought it was a. um it was a, what's it called? It was a legit thing. I either have maybe a falling into his scam or something.
0: Yeah, yeah they asked you for your wallet address. First, the first time that happened to me, I was like, okay, why are you asking for my wallet address? I don't understand. He just started talking mm-hmm. to me. Okay, what's your project about? Couldn't give me an answer. I think the person ended up blocking me, whoever he or she was, or did them, So, yeah. they ended up blocking me. Because it was screaming red flag, red flag, red flag. So today's mm-hmm. episode was actually quite, was quite um, informative. Even me myself, and I'm calling myself a web three marketer. Actually, learned a lot by listening to you today thank and you for so answering much all our questions. For inviting me. And thank you. <laughs> thank you for agreeing to do this with me. I'm to do this with us today. We appreciate it, and we hope that we can also have you on our, on our podcast next time we call you. Come sure, just no just with us again. I would love to be here. I okay. uh, would love to have you again. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Web3 Big Bites. Thank you so much to our special guest for sharing his insights and expertise on building a career in Web3 Marketing. I hope you guys all learned a lot in today. So if you have any questions or feedback, back into this episode, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media platforms or send an email to with 3 quickbytes at gmail.com Thanks again to Alabija for joining us today. I thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more exciting content, so be sure to subscribe and tune in. See you next week. Bye! Okay. So good. Okay.